Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Oh, baby, across the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. It is the Michael Duke Show. Was that too, was that too excited? Was that, was that too much? First thing in the morning? Was that, should I tone it down? I'm asking for a friend. I remember somebody saying, he's so loud sometimes in the morning. Well, sometimes I'm just, you know, excitable. I'm trying to, and maybe it's just because I'm trying to jack myself up, you know, to get things rolling. So I don't, you know, was it too much? Too much? I don't know. I'm just, I'm... Anyway, uh, here we are on Thursday, and uh, just another beautiful day in paradise. Uh, I don't know. We're still in the dregs of winter. We still can't get away from it. It's still, it's still here. It's still. I'm waiting for it to just. It never ends. Never ends. But um, eventually, it will be in sight. Uh, welcome to the program. Uh, we've got a uh, we got a good show lined up for you today, and if I do say so myself, and we're ready to uh, we're ready to rock and roll. Uh, we've got some headlines here that we're going to touch into, uh, and kind of give you the lowdown of things that happened yesterday after the show, and some of the news uh, that's fit to print out there, and then we're going to dive into it with some guests today on the program. Um, I reached out to <clears throat> I don't know. About half a different, half a dozen, half a dozen different legislators, um, and everybody's busy. Uh, but one legislator answered the call. Uh, Representative Kevin McKay uh, came in, and uh, so he's going to be joining us here in just a few minutes, and we're going to talk a little bit about the shenanigans, the hijinks, the uh, the. The gaslighting, um, the stuff that happened yesterday in the legislature, which was, uh, boy, it was a full-on clown show yesterday in the in the in the House of Representatives. I don't know if you were following this. I wasn't following this. I'll be honest with you. I was working. Uh, had uh, all kinds of stuff going on yesterday. But if you were following this, you were probably like buckets of popcorn, going, "I'm gonna watch this," uh, because it was <clears throat> a hot, hot. Hot, hot mess yesterday, and uh, I'm going to try and give you some rundown on that, and then we're going to get some details from uh, Kevin about what exactly happened, um, and what does it mean moving forward. Now, this weekend, of course, is Easter weekend, and so the legislature is, everybody's trying to get out of there, because they want to fly home tomorrow for a long-ish weekend. So anything that impedes that is obviously problematic, <clears throat> but we're going to talk about that here in a few minutes. Uh, then in hour two, we're going to talk with Sheldon Meyer, uh, who is a friend of the show 
Um, Sheldon and I have done several shows over the years. He is a small miner. Uh, he used to work out, uh, he had a claim out on the 40 mile and I think that's changed, uh, here, uh, in the past few years, but he continues to be a small miner and he has had, uh, he's been locking horns with a lot of the regulatory agencies, both at the federal and the state level, trying to get the work done, uh, on, uh, you know, and, and to remain what is historically been, uh, one of the backbones of Alaska, which is a small miner here in Alaska. And apparently he's uh, having a new set of issues and wanted to bring me up to speed. I haven't had him on the program in ooh, six or seven years. And so this will be a good opportunity to talk about uh, some of the things that are going on out there and some of the problems and issues that are facing small miners in Alaska. Uh, now, I have a soft spot in my heart for small miners because... Well, <clears throat> that's where my family came from. Uh, my great uh, my great grandfather was a sourdough gold miner who came up over the Chilkoot Trail, and uh, came up uh, into the interior and started mining uh, out on uh, Eagle Creek and American Creek, out towards Manly Hot Springs, and uh, that's uh, the history of my family. They were they were gold miners, and so <clears throat> this is something that's near and dear to me. And uh, we're going to get a little bit of a feel for where Sheldon, uh, what Sheldon's doing and what's going on and just try and get a feel for the overreach that many of the regulatory and burdensome hurdles that we see for small miners that they have to face, which, by the way, many of the large mines don't mind. They like it because it forces all the small miners out because they have the capital and the wherewithal to comply to some of these, you know, semi-ridiculous regulations and it forces all the small miners out and then they can go suck up the claims and then it's, you know, so it's, it's one of those things, but so that's the, that's the show lined up for today. Tomorrow's firearms Friday. And, uh, I think <clears throat> before I open my fat mouth and say something, say something wrong, I think, um, holy cow, that was loud, uh, that Jacob Sullum from reason magazine, um, is, uh, it's a maybe, I guess, cause I was trying to get him on last week and then, uh, <clears throat> uh, so anyway, uh, we, I'll, I'll see if we can get Jacob Sullivan from recent magazine. He's been writing about some stuff lately on the second amendment, the Bruin decision and some of the other things that are going on that I think would be good to talk about. So. And if not, it'll just be you and me and we'll talk gun stuff anyway, because it's Friday and it's my weekly therapy session <laughs> that I need it. It just keeps me, it keeps me lucid, keeps me sane. How about that? Okay. Um, headlines, headlines. Who's got your headlines? That would be me. Let's talk about a few headlines. Well, if you're driving around with studs on your vehicle. You are about to catch a break because the deadline to remove the studs is the 15th of April, normally, meaning you'd have <clears throat> nine days to get to get those uh, tires sorted. And unfortunately, that's not uh, that's not likely to happen right now. I mean, the 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 if you haven't gotten them already, got your tire scheduled to your if you're not standing at the tire store ready to get it done. 
you probably got a long wait. That's how it always works. I always, I always love to watch the tire stores around this time of year, this and in September, when people are swapping on and off studded. I've never had studded tires, but you know, people people swear by them, and so I I watch them swap them out once a year or twice a year, I guess. May except you know what I mean. Uh, but anyway, if you do have studded tires, good news, good news. Uh, there's been an extension, an issue, uh, an emergency order was issued by the Department of Public Safety yesterday, extending the deadline to remove studded tires by two weeks for both the northern and the southern parts of the state. Now, drivers south of the 60-degree latitude mark, making southeast, southwest, Aleutian chain, southern Kenai Peninsula, Kodiak, have an extended deadline of May the 1st. That's two weeks after the initial deadline of April 15th. Drivers north of the 60-degree latitude mark, which basically makes up the majority of the rest of the states and the highways like the Sterling Highway, have an extended deadline of May the 15th. The previous deadline for removal was May the 1st. In a separate announcement, the municipality of Anchorage said it's pushing back its deadline to May the 14th, meaning drivers in the city will have to have their winter tires off by May 15th. Uh, the par- the uh, Department of Public Safety cited persistent inclement driving conditions across the state as a reason behind the deadline change. Much of Alaska is experiencing prolonged win- uh, winter weather after heavy snow this winter has extended the ice season. This 15-day extension for the studded snow tire removal deadline will provide additional time to switch to regular tires without compromising safety. So you, you get... <clears throat> You get it, you lucky ducks. You get it. So, uh, yeah, the roads are still are still a mess. Um, what else? Oh, I, I guess I want to I want to talk just briefly about this before we bring Kevin on. So yesterday there was. Here are the three separate headlines. Three separate headlines, all talking about the same story. ADN. Alaska House budget debates stall over plan to use savings for one-time school funding boost. That seems pretty innocuous, right? Right? Alaska Beacon. Some Alaska lawmakers stage brief walkout over education funding. Okay. That seems a little... Are we talking about the same thing? And then finally, the must-read Alaska... Minority and House hijacks deliberations plays hooky as Democrats disappear to avoid budget votes. All three of these stories are talking about exactly the same thing. This is, uh, I'm just, I'm trying to highlight the, just how ironic it is that this is going on. And how these stories are different. Now, the ADN story doesn't really even talk about the walkout, the forced walkout. They literally legislators went and 17, was it 17, 14 of the minority members went and hid in the state capitol. They avoided, they, they locked themselves in their offices. They went and hid other places. So that the discussion couldn't continue because they got upset by the fact that the majority changed the funding source on the one-time boost to education, the $175 one-time, $175 million one-time boost to education, 
they changed the funding source from the general fund spending to a CBR vote because um, they they could see the handwriting on the wall, I think, because the Democrats had previously tried to tie the half of the dividend. Because remember, the, De- the Democrats wanted to reduce the dividend to 1300 the other day, and it got voted down. They wanted to change half of the funding from the dividend to be from the CBR as well. So they could hold that vote hostage. Um, this is, I mean, this is so politics. And this is so much politics of the shoe is on the other foot. Because in the past, this is exactly the tactic that the, mi- the, the now minority, then majority used all the time. And now, all of a sudden, it's, you're holding our kids hostage. This is a bait and switch. This is a scorched earth tactic. That's quoting Jenny Armstrong, by the way. Um, but that's what it is. Now, since it's about the children or something that they care about, that is just a wrong move. That is just a wrong move. But uh, the Alaska Beacons and James Brooks actually has a very well-written article about this, and it talks about the history of that and the fact that kind of the shoe is on the other foot now. This is something that they were going on. But the, Zach Fields and the other members of the minority refused to say where they hid, only that it was nearby the Capitol. So they all left the Capitol building. And 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 held the whole thing hostage for over four hours. And when they finally came back and they came back because the majority said, OK, fine, well, we'll just move ahead with the rest of the stuff. And Shreggy desperately tried to get everybody to come back. Then they basically just busted decorum all over the place and just started interrupting the speaker, not being called on. They they the I mean. This is crazy stuff so we're going to uh we're we're gonna see what happens uh and we'll get a full first-hand account of this from our friend representative kevin mccabe who i'm sure was there for all afternoon as they and there was some heated stuff out there i mean even bryce edgmond was like whoa 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 you don't you don't uh you don't you don't talk to me like that uh, because they said they were holding the kids hostage and he's like I I didn't I don't appreciate being called a hostage taker. Even Bryce Edgman was a little little PO'd about it. All right, we gotta go. Uh, the Michael Duke Show continues. It is your home for common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Back with more after this. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these uh, entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Unethical use of cornstarch. What? What? 
Cornstarch is a must-have for certain types of, uh, especially Asian food. You have to have a little cornstarch in there, thicken things up a little bit. Uh, you could use arrowroot, but it's a lot harder to use, and uh, it's uh, a lot more expensive. Um, oh, the landmine was all over this. I don't, I don't always check the landmine. Let me, uh, let me go back over here to the Alaska landmine to see what his headline said. I'm curious. <clears throat> Does he said that the minority got loose? That's, that's what I want to know. Did the minority get loose? Um, Okay. Fled the Capitol. House minority flees Capitol as the majority tries to force vote on fu education funding increase. Mm-hmm. The majority pass. Uh, it became clear minority was not going to give their votes for the CBR draw, which would have sent a partially unfunded budget to the Senate. The minority members fled the Capitol after a brief recess. Uh, he said the... Uh, um, uh, he interrupted Shreggy. Bryce Edgman actually, actually interrupted Shreggy and said he will not be called a hostage taker. Um, interesting. Um, one minority member told the landmine via telephone, the majority better order pizza because they're going to be there for a long time. Wow. <sighs> well, maybe they should have just sent out the, uh, maybe they should have just sent out the, uh, troopers. I don't know. I don't know. It's a hot, 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 hot mess. All right. If you're not, if you need cornstarch, you're not a chef. Well, I'm not a chef. I'm not, I ain't got time to be a chef. I cook. Cornstarch is a necessary evil sometimes. Sorry. That's what it is. I don't, I don't know. Um, okay. Let's see. Nay, deserve to be scorched. Uh, that does not deserve praise. Uh, let's see. I guess that's it. I guess that's it. Um, it's all just a smokescreen to make themselves look good, says Politidic. Just look what happened. Just like what happens every year, the Senate will change what happened in the House. Now those in the house can claim they tried. Well, well I don't know. Uh, okay. Um, let's, I see that uh, um, <clears throat> RKB, Representative Kevin McCabe. RKMB, McCabe. No, there's no B in there. RKM. Oh, man, it's one of those days already. Let me get myself squared away here. Let me get square. Excuse me while I whip that off. And we're going to jump over here and we'll uh, talk with uh, uh, the big man himself. Hey, brother, what are you uh, what are you doing? How's. Uh, hey, good morning. How are you? Good. How's how's today? Are you feeling a little <laughs> you feel it a little used and abused or just like twiddling your thumbs from yesterday? Uh, when you said there was some drama, I had no idea until I got into the papers late last night and this morning, and I was like, holy crap, are you kidding me? Um, uh, wow, crazy, huh? Pretty crazy stuff. Yeah, it sure was. It was interesting. Yeah. I uh, 
What I love is how they uh, all get onto the microphone and they're all butthurt about this. Like this is some kind of scary tactic that should never be used and everything. But this is exactly what the, this is what the minority of Republicans have faced for years. And it's just the same procedural maneuver that they used. And now they're like, I can't believe you did this to us. I can't believe you did this to us. Um, so anyway, um, we're about to jump back into it, but I just, I had to chuckle. I had to chuckle when I watched this happen. So, um, all right, Kevin, well, uh, we're all good. You look good. Sound good. We're ready to go. We're about to jump back in 15 seconds out. So hold the line folks. Uh, we're going to continue here in just a second. Representative Kevin McCabe, our guest, uh, the Michael Duke show, common sense, liberty-based free thinking radio, like it, share, like it, follow, do it all. Here we go. We're continuing now, jumping back into it with our guest, Representative Kevin McCabe, who goes by the pronouns Slim and Handsome. Uh, we are ready to uh, get things rolling and uh, talk about what's been going on down in the legislature. And he joins us right now. Good morning, my friend. How uh, How's life in your neck of the woods? Good morning, Michael. Well, it's early. It's been a couple of it's been a couple of days. It has been a couple of days. Uh, when I texted you yesterday, because uh, I'd been trying to text somebody to, and get somebody nailed down, I didn't realize exactly what was going on at the time. Um, and so uh, you were like, sure, thing, drama. And I was like, really? Okay, well, I can't wait. To, and then I read about it this morning, and I'm like, holy cow, what a mess. Um, so walk us through this. Um, kind of what, what exactly happened. Uh, because this $175 million one-time proposal was previously being funded by the general fund, right? It was a general fund spend. Uh, but then there was some mess around and find out stuff going on from the minority where they were like, well, we're just going to we're gonna change the funding for the dividend since you guys voted for a bigger dividend than we wanted to give people. So we're going to tie half the dividend payment to a CBR vote, and that failed. And then, so you guys were like, well, uh, if we're looking to try and solidify votes, and this has been a tool, using the CBR has been a tool to solidify votes for many different things over the years. You said, okay, well, we'll just change the funding from the general fund to the CBR, drawing it from savings instead. Uh, and that's where the rails went off, the bus went off the rails, right? I mean, that is that, am I running this out? Give me the rundown here. Yeah, pretty good. So there's one more piece in there that's uh, a player, which is the 404 primacy uh, um, deal that the governor wants, which is about five million bucks. Um, and and I and I say five million, and I can't believe it comes out of my mouth that easily. But um, what we did is uh, we wanted to transmit to the minority. We knew uh, they, that that was going to be a struggle is the primacy. So we wanted to tell the minority that we were willing to work with them on school funding as a caucus. Not everybody agrees with that. The 680 per student, which is 175 million, actually doesn't go to students, it goes to the school districts. 
um, you know, and teachers that need to negotiate, the NEA needs to, go to negotiate with those districts to get any money into the classroom. So a fraction of that will go to the classroom. But the districts were screaming they needed money for roofs and energy costs and increased price of fuel oil and electricity and all that. So we thought, okay, we want to demonstrate that we're willing to listen and that we're willing to um, help fund that. And not everybody in our caucus agreed. It was a struggle. Uh, but we put forth Amendment 26 first, which was that money. It was an outside the BSA $680 increase to um, per student. So $175 million to our, to our budget. We put that forth first. We wanted to send a message clear to the minority that what, what was to follow was important to us and we were willing to work with them. So the very next thing that came up was the 404 primacy. And we had some members in our caucus that could not vote for that politically because of their districts, mostly um, due to Pebble and some other things. So um, we were hoping to get a couple of the minority to vote for it as well, and it failed. So inside of that discussion, Zach Fields, and keep in mind that Zach has been here in Alaska for six, eight years, eight years maybe, um, he stood up and he basically, in one of his comments, he said, you are not getting the three-quarter vote that you will need for this budget. That's what he said to us. He transmitted loud and clear that they were not going to work for us with us. Um, because at the end of the day, we need a three-quarter vote to take some money out of savings to finish funding this budget. So to me, that was a signal that uh, they had made a caucus decision that they weren't going to work for us, regardless of the fact that we had just floated this uh, $174 BSA increase um, as a, uh, all of branches is the wrong word, but as a signal that we were willing to work with them. So that colored every vote thereafter, and we blocked almost $100 million worth of amendments that they tried to put in that were all social programs, um, and, and some of them good programs uh, that, that I would have, uh, um, you know, in a, different, in a different era would have been uh, interesting to vote on. But right. as a fiscal conservative in this budget era, there's no possible way that I could vote on them. Right. Cause they wanted to, they wanted to take uh, many of these programs. They wanted to draw from savings as well. Right. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. And of course the, the Twitterverse and everything else exploded that we were, we were being mean to them and we were going to push granny off the cliff and the pioneer home roof was going to collapse on all the elderly and, you know, all, all the typical things. Um, so at the end of the day, we negotiated, and at the very last day, yes, the day before yesterday, as we were sort of winding down with the 93 amendments, Representative Dan Ortiz from Ketchikan uh, had held a, an amendment, had not offered an amendment, and he put it on the table. And part of that amendment was a split in the funding for the PFD. It was a 50-50 PFD. Half would come from the ERA, which doesn't take a three-quarter vote, and half, which would be 800 and I think $18 million, would come from the CBR. And we were um, interested in that because it was a 50-50. It was exactly what we wanted. I mean, it's part of the governor's plan. It's part of the fiscal policy working group's plan. It's part of uh, moving forward into this uh, fiscal um you know, long-term fiscal plan that we were working on in, in ways and means. So we were interested in that, except it would have required a three-quarter vote for half of the funding. 
So at the end of the day, if we couldn't get their three-quarter vote, which Zach Field said early, early in the debate that right. we would not get their three-quarter vote, then right. that would work out to be a 75-25, right? But it did send a signal to us at the very end of the day, Tuesday afternoon, that they might be interested in working uh, with something out of the CBR, and they might give us a three-quarter vote for something. So we looked around and we thought, huh, what if they would give us a three-quarter vote for the $175 million for the BSA funding that we put through in Amendment 26, which was the first amendment, but right. offered. Right. And uh, and so it, just before the floor yesterday, we, we had the amendment drafted up and, and we put it in and it just, uh, you'd have thought that we'd have poured hot water down an ant's nest. Um, you know, without bothering to listen to our explanation on the floor or anything else, we put the amendment on our desks and they called the caucus and a couple guys happened to be standing outside the back door and they were bolting for their cars and running out of the parking lot. Um, and, you know, we, we, we knew what they were doing. Uh, you know, we, we figured that, I mean, we went into, into the chambers, the speaker's chambers and, and we gamed it all out and um, talked about everything. And, I can't begin to tell you how incredibly proud I am of the team that I'm on and, uh, and frankly, the leadership. Um, Kathy Tilton was amazingly calm, measured. She didn't get angry up there in the dais, no matter what slings and arrows they leveled at her. And, uh, and Frank, and great leadership. Our whips, uh, George Rauscher and, uh, and Josiah Putkatuk were amazing. And, uh, and we just, I thought we did a really good job in the face of some very poor decision-making from the other side. Decisions they made without having the full, um, you know, the full information. And in fact, they engaged all of their, uh, you know, all of their letter writing campaign. We've got hundreds of letters from the NEA that are incorrect. We didn't remove school funding. The schools will still be funded under the BSA. All we did was change the funding source for an amendment that we put in place. It's not like we were messing with their amendment. We put an amendment in that amendment and we get to pick where the funding source is. And we just figured they would be open to it because they had put in Ortiz's amendment the day before. So, um, you know, there was a little bit of. And many, and many, many other amendments that used it as the same funding source. This wasn't like this was a secret, double secret handshake thing where we were drawing it from some secret account. They had many amendments that were drawing it from drawing stuff from savings. Right. And, you know, it's so we were a little bit um, um, taken aback by that. I, I won't say we were surprised because we weren't, frankly, the um, completely in, um, very poor leadership from Calvin Shroggy, um is is what precipitated that whole event. Um, you know, the whole time I was in the minority with a minority leader, you know, Kathy Tilton is the minority leader. She never, not once, not even for 30 seconds, treated Louise Stutz like Calvin Shroggy treated Kathy yesterday. The lack of respect coming from, frankly, a child in a leadership position was, um, you know, the the word reprehensible gets used too much. But I was uh, I was shocked that they would leave that guy in, in a leadership position. And I'm and I'm sorry. I mean, I don't normally cut people down like that and go after people like that. But but frankly, if you watch the floor sessions and you watch the petulant um, comments and actions and throwing his body around, it just he, he was in a full-blown full tantrum. And, and you can't lead a caucus like that. 
then you set examples for people that have been sent here for a political agenda. Um, you know, Jenny Armstrong has been here for three years, less than three years, if you believe some of the news stories. And, um, you know, she's she's driving the whole thing with her, uh, you know, with her comments. She is doing a bunch of stuff on Twitter, scorched earth, she, scorched earth, she calls it, trying to drive these social programs. And, you know, we're just we're just not having it, you know, so. Right. Well, and again, it's interesting, uh, both Zach Fields and Shreggy talking over and jumping up from the floor without being called on and all these other behaviors that Stutes probably would have called the sergeants at arms out to, to escort somebody out of the room. And Kathy just dealt with it. Uh, pretty, right. uh, pretty interesting stuff. But this well, is you know, go Kathy ahead. never would have allowed us to do that last year. She would not have allowed it. She would have called a brief of these, she would have drugged me or somebody else if I did that out into the hallway. And she would have said, please, you know, I mean, she, in, her, in her own um, quiet way would have said, please, please don't do that or or however, but she would not have allowed that as a minority leader. She would not have allowed what Zach Fields did and what Shragi did and frankly, Jenny Armstrong as well. Uh, most of the others were um, decorous. I mean, they, you know, they, they were statesmanlike. They you know, they stood up, they did what they were supposed to, they raised their mic, they they followed the decorum. Um, for some reason, Zach and Shroggy think they have a mandate that they can just stand up and start blurting things out at Jenny, frankly. And it's, um, it's frustrating to deal with uh, when you're trying to get Alaska's business done, to deal with this kind of on-the-floor activism from, right. you know, Shroggy's a lifetime Alaskan, but the other two, Zach and Jenny, aren't. New imports, yeah. Uh, I thought it was interesting that even Bryce Edgman at one point got a little heated about, don't try and call me a hostage taker. <laughs> I mean, it was, you know, even somebody like that who was in the minority for so, or was in the majority for so long and worked with them and did all that, and even he was like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not, don't don't misrepresent me on that. Isn't that funny? So, so they send when the NEA comes down here, when teachers come down here, when the school administrators come down here. They bring kids down here to lobby us all the time. High school kids, they pay for their ticket or even middle school kids and come down here and sit with the lobbyist or the administrators and, you know, ask us for money and, you know, tell us how horrible their school is. They continue, they're going to close schools, you know, oh, well, we'll have to close schools. We'll have to pink slip teachers. They hold kids in the education system hostage every single day, every single day. And yet they have the temerity to stand up there on the floor and accuse us of being these sort of nefarious, um, you know, yeah, bad, impu- bad Republicans. Right. And, impugning and just, the character, uh, impugning yeah. the character of everybody right now. Kevin McCabe is our guest. Uh, we're uh, we're going to continue this discussion here in a few minutes. We'll get his take on where things go from here uh, as we continue Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Listen to by more staffers in Juneau than any other show. Because their bosses told them to. And after what they just heard, oh man, they're going to be pissed. You're a bad, bad man. The Michael Duke Show. Kevin McCabe continues with us right now. Uh, all I got to say is, Kevin, you know, this is the, the shoe is now on the other foot. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, I can't believe they're crying to the heavens. And I had to laugh because of the, because of the differences in the headlines 
Um, uh, I mean, I know you're not necessarily a fan of the ADN, but just reading these stories, you know, one Alaska House budget debates stall over plan to use savings for one time school funding boost. It stalls, which sounds like, oh, they're just kind of having a debate. Then the Alaska Beacon says some Alaska lawmakers uh, stage brief walkout over education funding. Okay, that's a little more. uh, Then the Alaska Landmine says House minority flees capital as majority tries to force vote on education funding increase, which that actually sounds pretty good. And then, of course, must read minority and House hijacks deliberations plays hooky as Democrats disappear to avoid budget vote. It's just all these different takes on exactly the same thing. And if you read all of the stories, you can kind of read between the lines and see what's going on there. But what a, you know, what an interesting situation considering you as a member of the minority since you started in the Capitol when you, you know, because you started out as a member of the minority, um, had to deal with this all the time. And nobody was really covering this kind of nonsense going on. And now it's a big deal because the shoe is on the other foot. Yeah, it's sort of interesting. I happen to be standing outside with uh, uh, catching some air with the uh, right outside the back door of the house chambers there, and it overlooks the parking lot. And I would say fleeing is an accurate dis- description. So we watched uh, Andrew Gray and Jenny Armstrong and uh, Andy Josephson come down the exits, and 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 fleeing is appropriate. That's what they were doing. They were running to their cars and taking off and. Uh, one of the other freshmen that was standing out there uh, said, hey, Jenny, where are you going? And she said, um, I'm going home for lunch. Uh, and that was a little bit weird because we were just at a brief at ease. So um, and we know we know where they went. We we had the troopers were at the airport. We had a staffer at the airport. We checked all the offices, you know, when when uh, they put a call on the house. When we came back, when Calvin put a call on the house, we we did what we're supposed to do. We went to the offices. We checked the bathrooms. We went to the Terry Miller gym building, you know, typically looking for them. We sent the staffer out to the airport because we had a landmine tweet saying that they were headed the, for the airport, you know. And um, so, I mean, we did what we were supposed to do. And Did you send um, anybody to the NEA union office across the square? <laughs> I'm just asking. No, for, well, yeah. Just, so, just asking well, for a friend. <laughs> One of the other uh, minority members has bought a big, big house down here. She typically wears a yellow jacket. And uh, so they were all gathered there at her house. So, um, or or they ended up there. They might not have started out there, but that's where they all were. So um, it, it was it was an interesting, interesting thing. And I mean, they did their thing and it, it's absolutely scorched earth. Um, yeah, it's. <laughs> I'm a little speechless. Well, you know, to watch just just to watch this thing, and of course, again, the whole the whole idea here behind this, and they've got, they've obviously got their pit bulls. They know who to use here. They're using Armstrong. They're using Fields. They're using Shreggy, and it's attack, attack, attack. If you don't agree, then you hate children. If you don't agree, then you're holding children hostage. If you don't agree, then you want to hold, you know, burn children in effigy on the state bonfire of whatever. I mean, it's it's always something horrible, right? You hate puppy dogs and butterflies because, you know, you you don't want to do these things. And the mischaracterization and the problem is, is that nobody's picking up on the fact that it's all hyperbole, that nobody is really 
hey, we're not saying we're not going to fund it. We're going to fund it. We're just funding it from this different source. And by the way, this is a source that your folks have used for years to guarantee votes on other things. This is not anything unusual. This is not like some play that was pulled out of the playbook from 1795 that nobody's ever seen before. This is something that, you know, is done on a regular basis, and they just act like this is something all new and uh, and and horrific. And, and, of course, the problem is, is that many Alaskans don't understand the process. They don't understand that this is business as usual, and they buy into that hype. Right. So, I, you know, I saw some comments on Facebook and I think maybe even on the on some of the, some of the comments on here that uh, well we were we wouldn't negotiate and we were holding them there and and uh, you know we can get into that maybe after the break you know and why were we still there and you know there's a procedure called a call on the house which which is what Calvin did uh, when he showed back up um, then he placed a call on the house for his own members um, which which might happen occasionally when somebody's gone or missing and you need them for a vote but. Um, he knew where they were. He knew they weren't coming back. So it was basically dilatory, uh, what we call dilatory. You right. know, he's using the procedures and the to stall, um, right? To stall and create a problem and that sort of stuff. But we have to allow that to happen because we don't want to set a precedence where we, um, you know, where the call in the house is. Yeah, uh, let's get into that when we re- when we get back here. We're jumping back into it. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-Based, free-thinking radio. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Seriously humorous with a pinch of intellect. <laughs> pinch of intellect. Sorry. That is humorous. Here's Michael Dukes. It It is a pinch. I, I don't know what the quantity of that is, but there's a small bit of intellect in there somewhere. Uh, all right, we're jumping back into it. Kevin McCabe is our guest, and we're ready to uh, go here on this. We were just talking about how this is not an unusual situation. This idea of using uh, CBR monies, obviously the Democrats and the in the minority had been proposing different various amendments that all failed, but they had proposed amendments that would draw from the CBR and everything else. So this is not like this was something new. Uh, and then Kevin said, yeah, I mean, this is just using the the political procedures as normal. But then, you know, talking about like Calvin Schrege, who was using the political procedures and the normal, you know, not Mace, Mason's rules, not Robert's rules, Mason's rules, uh, in a dilatory fashion, meaning it is a delaying tactic. Kevin, tell us what happened there. Right. So, you know, after they all disappeared, um, you know, we knew exactly what they were doing. And uh, we came back after a brief at ease and uh, and Shragi showed up. Uh, and Dan Ortiz, frankly, to his credit, uh, I don't think he um, he didn't necessarily agree with it, with what they were doing. Uh, maybe. I don't know. But he was there as well. He said, well, I heard there was a call in the house. So I came back. So it was he and Shragi in the in the gallery and um, and Shragi put a call in the house. So a call in the house means uh, we have to lock down the house and the sergeant at arms goes out to find them. And of course, they're all in hiding. So, um, you know, nobody knows where they are. And you, you, you can do things all the way up to sending a trooper. Uh, there is a history in Alaska where a trooper actually went and got a person, a representative off of a plane and brought them back to the House of Representatives. I mean, that's uh, that's history. We've done that. 
Um, and we could have done that, but we didn't. We went, we sent the sergeant at arms to look in the offices and to try to find people in the various buildings around. And, and we gave them an hour um, to, to give her an hour to do that. So we have to give them time. And then at some point, we, uh, I think, uh, <laughs> Representative Armstrong, Jenny Armstrong's staff came down uh, and she had left her cell phone in her desk drawer and they asked the pages to go get it. And I happened to be sitting right there. And I said, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm getting Armstrong. Her staff wants her phone. And I'm like, oh, so she still is around somewhere. You know, it just shows that they know what's going on and they're watching on TV. They're watching all the Eddie stuff and they knew what was going on. They knew they were supposed to be there. So at that point, there's a Mason's rule that says if you're using a motion for dilatory manner, in other words, if a small minority of people are trying to control the whole process through the Mason's manual rules, such as a call in the house, you can rule it dilatory. And uh, the only problem is, is you, you don't want to set a precedence where immediately a call in the house is ruled dilatory because there's a, there's a reason for that rule. Um, but... After giving it some time and talking to Ledge Legal, uh, we ruled it dilatory and we recessed. Um, and then, in fact, I called the recess until 3 p.m. to give them time to return, which was another hour and a half. So they were gone for two and a half hours or maybe three hours. Um, so that's, you know, that's kind of the way it was. The problem right. is, is then they came back and they started another um, delaying process. They started throwing amendments at it at Amendment uh, 26, which is what's on the table, uh, trying to Christmas tree it. So there's probably still another 40 or 50 amendments to that amendment, um, which is a, is a crazy thing if you ask me trying to amend an amendment. But but it's another procedure, and it's a procedure they're using now again to delay things so that they don't have to take a three quarter vote. Um, you know, frankly. Easter is a family time. I get that they're all trying to get out of town, but, um, you know, push comes to shove. I'll just bring my wife down here and we'll have Easter in this, in this apartment. And, <laughs> you know, for me, it's about Alaskans. It's about getting things done for Alaska and we're trying desperately to do it. And they are trying to continually delay. Um, so it's, you know, it's frustrating, but what happened at one point during this debate is Zach Fields made a mistake and he placed a call in the house when the root amendment was the only thing we were discussing. So amendment 26 is what's called as the root amendment. That's what we were discussing and Zach Fields placed a call in the house. The call is not satisfied until the amendment is, is complete. So now we had to lock down the house Nobody can come or go. You, you know, if you go to the restroom, you got to be escorted by a page. Um, so, and, and he didn't realize what he had done. So I saw some reports of like, well, they're not adjourning, but they're not, they're not negotiating. So what's going on? Well, what was going on is they had thrown a bunch of superfluous and dilatory amendments at us that were table in as fast as we can. And they're continually trying to bring them back up. Um, and we have a call in the house, so we can't adjourn. And when Zach finally was up at the dais and he's, he's like, I don't understand what we're doing. I said, well, Zach, you have a, you have a call in the house for the root amendment. And he didn't realize it. And he said, oh, well, I'll lift that. Well, as soon as he lifted it, we adjourned and got out of there because we did need a break. We need cooler heads to prevail. We need, uh, you know, we need some, you know, some statesmanlike discussion. 
um, we need to let the emotion die down and, uh, and try to get back to work for Alaska. So we'll see how it goes this morning. If all those amendments are still there, we will likely have to go through and uh, adjudicate them somehow. And, uh, you know, I know they're frustrated because we're just tabling them. We're not allowing them to introduce them. But frankly, I bet half of them don't even know what they are. They came from finance. Uh, you know, they just put their name on them and they're strictly trying to Christmas tree this Amendment 26 that we have on the table right now. Right. Which is our amendment. Right. I mean, we get to choose where the funding comes from. It's our amendment. We're not messing with their amendment. It's our amendment. Right. Know, so. Well, and, and of course, this is, again, like I said, now the shoe is on the other foot. It's a whole different ball game now that they're seeing the same thing. I'm sure it is frustrating, just like it's been frustrating for you guys for the last four or five years, being in the minority and being beaten like redheaded stepchildren by the majority over and over and over again. Yeah, I'm sure it's frustrating, but that's that's how it works. That's how that's it's not meant to be an easy process. It's supposed to be a difficult process, which is obviously proving to be so. Walk me through the rest of this and the rest of the budget. So if you guys start again this morning and they don't have all the amendments, where are we going? Will the budget be out today? Because I know many of you are leaving uh, are leaving tomorrow for to return home for the holiday. But where where are people at right now and what happens with the budget as it goes through? Or if it stays and has to be picked up next week, walk us through that. Um, sure, that's a really good question. So we, we uh, we're, we're caucusing this morning, and we will develop a game plan. Um, there, like I say, there's another um, maybe 50 amendments left, and I think that Representative Eastman is writing them as furiously as he can as well. And I'm sure that the minority has put together a whole a whole bunch more. I'll be surprised if they come in and say no, we're not going to offer any of those. But um, I'm sure that uh, Eastman will. Um, so. Um, we'll just have to uh, march forward and adjudicate those somehow, whether it be tabling them or listening to them. Uh, you know, if somebody puts forth an amendment that they know about, that's their amendment, that's not designed to be dilatory and not designed to gum up the process, I think we're happy to listen to it. Um, I don't think it will go anywhere because we have a plan for this particular, for Amendment 26, for the uh, 680 per child, which is the $174 million amendment. But um, it, you know, if they have a, a decent amendment that is worth listening to, we'll listen to it. But if it's just there to gum up the works, we won't. So we'll get that done. Uh, we'll get amendment 26 passed and then, uh, then we'll be debating the budget. Once we, um, get everything done and we close out the second reading of the budget, then it has to go to third reading. We can go to third reading today with enough votes in the house, but if, uh, any of the minority objects, then third reading takes place tomorrow. And of course, after third reading is when we debate the entire budget. It's when everybody gets to stand up and talk about the, you know, their thing in the budget and send messages to their constituents about how they fought for this or they fought for that or this is important or that's important or this is a, a great budget or it's a crappy budget or it spends too much money. We get to talk about all of that in third reading and that would be tomorrow if there's, could be today, if things go right, and it uh, so much depends on what the minority does, but if things don't go right, it will likely be tomorrow. Um, and then uh, we'll debate that, and with 40 people wanting to talk to their constituents from the floor, it will likely take all day. Um, and, then, uh, and then we'll transmit it to the Senate on Friday, and then the process works from there. The Senate will go through, they'll do their thing uh, in and out, uh, you know, this, uh, 
you know, this program, okay, this program decrement or not. So. All right. Well, we're down to the last minute. So final thoughts, Kevin, before I let you go here. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's a process. And I know that Alaskans don't understand the nuances. I didn't understand when I came down here, the nuances of, uh, of debate and Mason's rules and, and the procedures that can be used to either slow things down or speed things up. And, you know, uh, we're being portrayed as the sort of nefarious majority Republican conservative uh, club. And, and we're just not trying to do that. We're just trying to move the move the budget along, you know. Right, so. right, right. Well, again, when they did it, it was all pious and exemplary. When you do it, heathens, hereticals, the devil. Uh, get used to it, my friend. Get used to it. All right. Uh, thanks for coming on and joining us, folks. We're out of time. Sheldon Myers going to be joining us up next. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. I got to laugh at the poor, poor, pitiful me kind of ideas of, oh, look at us. We're being oppressed. We're being... I mean, you guys, the shoe is on the other foot. This is it. You guys have been doing this for years, and it it is what it is. It's part of the process. There's a majority and a minority. That's how it works. Stop your – quit your bitching. Uh, right. <laughs> Go I ahead. can't say enough about the majority leadership and, and how well we have worked together as a team. Uh, you know, Bryce Edgman and I have been at odds many, many times in the last decade. Um, very angry at each other uh, at times. And uh, when we brought him onto this team, one of the things he said to us is, I play for the team I'm on. I dance with the person that brought me. And he has proved that in spades. He is absolutely working with us, as is Neil Foster. I know that some were worried about putting them in the co-chairs of finance, and, and they... Uh, they are absolutely a part of our team. So um, our team worked well together. Kathy Tilton is an amazing person on the on the dais. Uh, Craig Johnson is uh, is working uh, as a rules chair. He's very smart and given us uh, great guidance. So um, I'm very very happy very happy with them. A little dismayed that uh, uh, the leadership on the other side is frankly what created this whole situation. Yeah, it's uh, it's frustrating. Well, hopefully we can get the budget done before you guys got to leave. Otherwise, it's next week. Right. And then it's a whole another start restart all over again. Um, yes, uh, we could work through the weekend. That would be a shame. Um, but that has been suggested that we continue to work through the weekend because uh, to us as conservative Republicans, again, it's about Alaska. It's about getting the budget out. And if we have to work through Easter weekend, um, that's what we're that's what we're sent down here to do. So um, I, su- I suspect that will be a suggestion right. uh, in caucus this morning. So, All right. Well, Kevin McCabe, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. I know I just it was good to get the rundown on this right after the thing. It was fortuitous that uh, you answered my uh, answered my text. So I appreciate that. Thanks for coming on board, my friend. We'll uh, we'll see you again soon. Absolutely. Thank you, Michael. All I right. appreciate it. Thanks for coming on board. All right. We are coming up. Uh, hour two, I see Sheldon Meyer is uh, in the uh, green room. And so we're going to get over to him here real quick before I get to some of the chats here and some of the comments. We're going to test his audio and make sure everything's up and running. And let's get him going on right now. Good morning, Sheldon. How are you, my friend? I'm good. How are you, Michael? Good, good. All right. Sounds good. Looks good. 
got that beautiful Alaskan scenery behind you. You're just yeah. like, you know, it's that green screen, yeah. right? It's all green screen. It's no, it's all camera tricks and effects. It's not real. Uh, yeah. It's good to see you again. Um, and, uh, and I'm looking forward to having this conversation. Um, and we'll give folks a little bit of a rundown of uh, some of the challenges you faced in the past that we've talked about, you and I have talked about, and kind of tried to help raise awareness about. And then we'll talk about the latest, uh, the latest batch O challenges. Okay, so okay. if that works for you, we'll do that here in just a minute. Okay. Yeah. That All was right. Good, Michael. Good. I'm going to put you back in the green room for just a second here, so I can finish up what I'm doing here in the, uh, in the thing. Uh, okay. Uh, let me go back here, comments, and see what some of the folks have said. Terry says the trooper should have been called. Stop pandering to the spoiled brats. <laughs> There's a lot of comments about them acting childish. Uh, ch acting childish. Yeah. Uh, ben Carpenter makes a valid point, which I had not considered. The one-time BSA funding was extra funding that added to the deficit. It wasn't funded. I mean, it would have come out of the general fund, but there are not enough funds in there to cover it. Changing the funding source ensured that it would be funded. It's part of the political negotiations for action on a fiscal plan. I mean, he's not wrong, right? I mean, it would have added to the deficit, $175 million added to the deficit. If you just said, take it out of the general fund. Well, where's that money going to come from to go into the general fund? So it was <clears throat> there, but it wasn't funded. Um so that's a great point. Uh, another point that I saw earlier from uh, I'm looking for it right now, uh, because all the schools, all the school districts are running around crying poor mouth, right? Poor, poor, pit. we're going to close our schools. Our children are going to be in the streets and there's going to be no buses and they're going to have to walk to school uphill both ways in the snow. And Donna Ardwin points out school districts have two hundred and forty million dollars in covid funds that they have not spent or expanded. They're not broke. A quarter of a billion dollars nearly in funds for the different schools. And they just have, they, you've got funds. You could just do that. Not broke. Not broke. Uh, Brian says it sounds like Shreggy and company were arrogant uh, as something. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jess is asking, what meeting did that happen in? That was the House floor session all day yesterday. All day, Jess. All day. Um, that's that's the thing. Um, let's see. Uh, it's way longer than uh, than Jenny uh, Armstrong. Oh, she's been in town way longer than Jenny Armstrong. Okay. Um, I'm just scrolling backwards here. Yeah, Angie said, any uh, NEA offices are across the street. We suddenly started getting union emails while they were gone. So maybe they all just immediately skipped across the street to the NEA office, got them all riled up, and then went over to whoever's house, whoever's bought the new house down in Juneau. I don't know who Kevin was talking about, but uh, somebody bought a house down there in Juneau, and that's where they're doing their thing. Uh, but anyway, it's interesting stuff. Um I'm uh, just looking through here. Uh, so they're not going to play along. They're not going to play along to get along. Table all the rest of the amendments like you did last year. How dare they? Well, that's that. That's part of the process, isn't it? Um, okay. Um, 
Okay. Um, there would not have been all, there would not have been all this theater with a majority if their budget was not in about $580 million deficit. The education budget add-on is only 175 million of it. If the majority had a, had fourth, a, had four, had put a balanced budget, I guess, it would not need a three quarter CBR vote. Well, that's true as well. Unless of course you wanted to try and keep things working. Whoa, buddy. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator. Boy, that stuff sneaks up on you, doesn't it? It just sneaks up on you, that timing thing. All right, we're into hour two now, and we're ready to change gears a little bit. We're going to talk about uh, mining in Alaska, which, again, as I said earlier in the last hour, is near and dear to my heart. My grandfather, my great-grandfather, rather, I should say, my great-grandfather was a sourdough gold miner who came up over the Chilkoot Trail and uh, started mining up uh, in American and Eagle Creek up near Manly Hot Springs. He was a, a gold miner for his entire life, so I've got a history of mining in my family, and so it's something that I, I really care about. Sheldon Meyer is a Alaska miner, has been doing it for many, many years with his family. Uh, he's been a guest of the program in the past because uh, he's... Uh, you know, you, you sometimes you got to fight the machine, right? Sometimes you got to fight the power and the regulatory process in the state, um, and between the fed, feds and the state government, is overwhelming for small miners. The number of things that you have to do and trying to make happen, uh, and the regulations you try to have to adhere to, are sometimes not only oner- onerous but they are just absolutely bank breaking in their complexity. Uh, as I said earlier, many of the large mining corporations are happy to do it because they got the capital to make it happen, but it's the small miner. And in fact, some of the things are suggested by the large mines so because they know that the small miners do not have the scale or the capital to be able to comply to stuff like that. Uh, so it's been an uphill battle for many, many years. Sheldon and I have uh, talked about this in the past, uh, but now he's fighting a new fight, uh, this time with uh, M. Shaw. Uh, and we're going to get some details on that uh, right now. We're going to bring uh, bring Sheldon Myers uh, up onto the stream, and uh, we're ready to sit down and uh, talk with him about it. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm good, Michael. Thanks for you know, co- considering. Cons- considering paradise. So, yeah, you know. <laughs> I know. Just another day in paradise, right? Um, yep. All right. So, Sheldon, first and foremost, give us a little bit of a background on yourself. You know who you are, you know, where you know where you are, where you came from, your background what the the setting for this is, you know, some of our past discussions, some of the challenges you've had before we walk into what's going on uh, right now, shall we? Let's uh, start there. 
Okay. Yeah. I did. Well, you know, you, we met years ago and, uh, came on your show and I was fighting, uh, started mining in the 40 mile. It's been 30, 30 years ago. So, um, so it was after a few years of mining out in the 40 mile that I, uh, became involved because the interior department was, um, obstructing access to mining claims. And, you know, we spent a lot of years fighting the, for the RS-2477 and the, uh, navigability of <clears throat> rivers in the local out in the 40 mile. Um, and it's just mind boggling how <clears throat> even when you read through the original written, uh, regulations you know and you try to comply with them that they just the government just doesn't follow it but so we fought uh a number of years i spent quite a few years as on the board and as president of the 40 mile mining association and <clears throat> did a lot we uh, also i went to dc after the 2014 and i when the epa and dec uh did an armed raid in chicken uh you know, people heard about it back then, but, uh, and the sad part, I went to DC and testified. And, um, when I came home, I resigned my post at the 40 mile and my wife and I decided to, um, take a step back from the political realm because, uh, it was just, uh, basically, you know, comes to a couple simple things. What's the definition doing the same thing over and over again, right? Expecting a different result. Beating your head against the wall of the bureaucracy is, uh, yeah. It's, well, it's one of those things of understanding the things you can change and understanding the things you can't change, right? I mean, at that point, you'd obviously given it your all. You'd obviously given it everything you got. And if you still couldn't change it, then you might as well go pick your bat and ball up and go play somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, we stayed we stayed out in the 40 mile until we um, sold the mine out there. And I moved in. We moved. We live in here in Fairbanks, as you know, but uh, our mining now at 17 miles steeps right next to the pedro monument um and uh it's been i, I i'm happy with the move uh, i enjoy um you know being in my house every night <laughs> i mean i had a nice place in the 40 mile too but uh you know this we we live here in fairbanks right. and i enjoy it um you know and now uh you know, we've all heard horror stories and you and I discussed uh, MSHA before when we were talking about, uh, you know, the how the EPA, DEC, you know, Fish and Game, the Corps of Engineers, we discussed all these on the air, you know. And right. We discussed. And MSHA is mining safe, uh, is mining safety, health and welfare. Is it is that what it is? Sure. What Mine Safety Health Administration. Right. OK, so MSHA. So, Yep. So, you know, here's a one of the first questions that pops up to me that I guess I've never really thought about until now. But, you know, I, I, I've always kind of, you know, most of us see now that we don't have an equal and fair judicial system, you know, and our system of laws that, you know, they're they're stare where we have a tier leveling system, however you want to call it. But <clears throat> why does um, mining in particular and especially us small placer miners? Mining has its own safety administration, right? Why is that? We right. have a, when it comes to the standards of reclamation or with fishing game or any of the agencies, the standards for miners are far above any other industry. Right. So number one, <clears throat> you're not treated fairly in the eyes of the law because we're automatically, I guess, uh, criminals or bad people 
because we need a special government agency just for us. Right. Well, let's talk about and specifically because I don't think, uh, you know, and I don't want the, I don't want the takeaway from this to be that Sheldon is like he wants to repeal all <clears throat> regulations on mining. There obviously has to be clean and safe mining. I mean, because we're obviously dealing with something like especially placer mining and sluice box mining. We're talking about waterways and keeping water clear and doing, you know, making sure we don't strip things down, build big tailing piles and all this other kind of stuff. But at the same time, the regulations need to be um you know, not ridiculous and affordable for anybody, you know, and cost effective for anybody who wants to go out and make a and make a living as a miner. So walk us through here what uh, what's happening currently and what the you know, what is the what's the problem that you're having right now with Shaw and the other organizations at your mine uh, up on the steeps there? Well, believe it or not, with all the other agencies at this point, I've had a really good working relationship with them. We um, <clears throat> have been uh, having no problems. Uh, <clears throat> but MSHA showed up at the mine site I started where we're at six years ago. And inspector, his name's Buck Jones, he stopped by one day and I'm there by myself. <clears throat> I just happened to be, it was in September, I was pressure washing a piece of my equipment and this guy shows up on the mine site. And I said, uh, I'm usually pretty easy going and friendly. I said, hey, did you not read the sign? And he said, well, I don't have to read the sign. I'm AMSHA and I'm here to, you know, talk to you. And I said, well, you know, there's a, you know, you're not allowed to trespass through my gate. And so as he was leaving, we had a conversation about it. And he told me that <clears throat> um, he informed me at that point I was a sole proprietor. And he said, if I were you. I would form an LLC because um, MSHA can carry, carries fines of $250,000 a day for non-compliance and you're breaking the law by mining without a mine number. So, um, you know, I, I got a little worried at first, but I went and researched the, uh, or, you know, and thinking about our, what my knowledge of our laws and our constitution. So I figured, you know, how, so as I reach, dig into it, I find that, yeah, it's, you know, you go back and read the Mine Act and the Safety Act that was passed in 1976. And then in 1979, after a series of court cases and more congressional action, Congress gave a memorandum of understanding to the Department of Labor, to the Secretary of Department of Labor that said very specifically that, um, that you cannot regulate owner operators of a business because they're acting under their own behalf, which is kind of a no brainer. You know, you should understand if I'm working for myself, I own everything. I have no employees. Um, so OSHA adopts the policy from that memorandum in 79. Right. MSHA's got court case or OSHA has a lot of court cases saying that they, um, where they've been even taken to court and, told that you cannot regulate these people because they're acting under their own behalf. So MSHA just ignores that. They've ignored it since since it was given to them in 79. Um, they say now <clears throat> they've actually changed the language. I think it was in 2016 or 17, they went to Congress and asked to have some new language installed in the in the mining regulations that basically gives them jurisdictional authority if if you sell your product into local commerce they can regulate you so that that to me opens up another can of worms that how does the mine health safety administration 
uh, regulate you under the commerce. Right. It's um, supposed to be mind, self, and health and safety, not not over the commerce and, portion of it, right? And so I question, how is this safe? How is this having anything to do with my safety if you're regulating me, saying through com through commerce, saying that if I sell my product into local commerce that you can regulate? So, and, you know, um, you turn around and you, I've sat through at least 25 of these MSHA classes over the years. And um, the one thing they teach you that they try to push to you in the end, which is a, you know, it, it's a good message. Who is the number one person at the end of the day, no matter what other safety regulations or anything else are in place, is responsible for your own safety? Yeah, that would be you. But in the case of a small miner or any miner, the way MSHA writes it is we're not capable of being responsible for our safety because they're taking that from me, you know, and other miners like me and saying that now they can, they have carte blanche authority to regulate you because of this is written in the sacred CFR manual. So, right. you know, um, so then again, I've had the, you know, the initial conversation with this first inspector six years ago, then last year, and then I, I hear all through the grapevine through the last five years that MSHA has got it out for me because I've said no to them and I refuse to sign up. So they pressure all the miners in the neighborhood telling them, yeah, you, that guy, Mr. Meyer, Sheldon, we're going to bring him in. We're going to make him. And this is stuff I'm hearing through the rumor mill. They're going to make me bend the knee. They're going to make me come into compliance because um, I'm out of compliance. And I'm like, but I've been doing this for 30 years. I have all my digits still. I've never lost a day's work working for myself because I injured myself. And, right. You know, and then, what's their complaint? I, what's it referred? Just a second, Sheldon. Let me sideline that for a second because we're coming up on the break. In in okay. a in a brief one minute, can you tell me what is their beef? What is the compliance that they say you are not? What is the thing that you are not complying with? Uh, that they are demanding that you do than and apparently pointing to some reg saying that you're not doing it what are they saying that you're not doing i'm mining without a mine number without a mine number yes so what do you have to go to amsha and you have to beg permission and they give you a number and you have to pay a fee i'm sure and everything else to do that um that's that's the whole kick here yeah basically the bottom line is i refuse to get a mine number because I refuse to recognize the fact that they have the right to uh, oversee my safety. Um, as a sole, that's, that's as a sole proprietor, line. right. As a sole proprietor. Yes. Right. Uh, Sheldon Myers, our guest, we're going to continue this discussion and uh, we're going to have, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll examine this a little bit further. The Michael Duke show continues uh, right after this. Don't go anywhere back with more in just a moment. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. So Sheldon Myers, our guest, uh, we do have a couple of questions from the chat room. 
Harold asked, uh, so how how big is this mine? And again, you're just a single you're just a single miner operation, right? I mean, it's just you essentially mining. This is not a big operation. This is just a small operation. No, nope, just me. Yeah. I, I, my wife will, you know, the kids are all grown and gone. I, I have no more employees. We <clears throat> we work just most of the time. It's me by myself. My wife, Fiona, will come out sometimes and feed the plant or, you know, uh, we're we're partners. You know, right. We're, we, right. We don't. <clears throat> so, you know, and that that's the, um, you know, that that that's for me is the bottom line. No, I, I you know, if you have employees, but, you know, OSHA, on the other hand, has a, a small business exemption where if you have 10 right. employees or less, they pretty much just leave you alone. Right. Um, right. Um, so, and so then Brian says. Why don't you just give yourself a number and move on? <laughs> just give yourself an Amshaw number and move on. But you're basically doing this as a protest to say Amshaw doesn't have the right to uh, force you to get that number under what you were talking about with OSHA, uh, et cetera, with what yeah. the mining language says. Well, that's the thing. You know, part of what, what this crux of this for me, too, is I, you know, after researching it, you know me, I even before all the issues of the interior department, EPA, DEC, all these other issues, core. Um, <clears throat> what I find is, is miners in general and people in the public always say stuff like that. Why don't you just give yourself this or, you know, why don't you, you can go, I would, I would move outside and go back out where you were and try to hide from them. Or if you just own old crap, it doesn't, you know, there's always a way to try to, you know, just <clears throat> hide or, circumvent the system and i'm saying but it's kind of time to i mean there's so many things that are wrong with this you know right have because they they run you know um they show up like this when they showed back up at my place you know this summer they came an inspector shows up at my gate and i'm just getting ready to leave i was head i was driving out to the gate and i see some guy poking around in the trees and and i'm right next to the steese highway i mean right so as I pull up, he he runs across the highway and jumps in his pickup and then comes over and blocks my gate. And he's got U.S. plates, you know, United States government plates on the truck. And he gets out and he says, I'm Jared Town from MSHA. And I said, I, I guess I, I kind of guessed who you were, but what do you want? And he says, well, we got a complaint. We had an anonymous complaint about you. Um, I said, about what? What was the complaint about? And he says, well, you're mining on you. You have unsafe worksite, and I'm like, unsafe for who? <laughs> I mean, really? Right, right. So, um, so I refused him entry, and I said, look. He goes, well, I had to follow up on this complaint, and I said, okay, I'm giving you your follow up. I'm the only one here. I didn't call in on myself, and I would be completely flabbergasted and shocked if someone in Fox, Alaska, that embraces mining called you to complain about me being unsafe over here. Right, so, right. Now this is again on a <clears throat> you have this this is a claim, right? You've already got you Yeah. So you have a I'm claim. on a Yeah. I'm on a state claim right now. It's a state mining. Claim, right. So. so you have it <clears throat> it's you're on a claim. You're doing it all right. You've been mining for 30 years in the state. I mean, this is not this is nothing new for you. Um, nope. and, and it's not, it's, you know, it's on a, it's on a legit legal claim. Not somebody was asking if you're not legally on a mine or if you're in a public land yeah. or whatever, you're on a legal state claim. And, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden out in the middle of nowhere, somebody said, Hmm, 
anonymous complaint. Anonymous complaints are so handy for bureaucrats uh, yeah. because who called it in uh, you know, kind of thing. Uh, so you didn't allow them in, and now they're gonna. Uh, we're gonna get back into it here in about thirty seconds. We're gonna rejoin the radio. I want to kind of take it from there, okay. but uh, you know. So I want to know what is the process. Here's what, here's what we're gonna go over. We're gonna go over what is happening now, what the complaint is, what they're threatening you with, and what you plan to do uh, from here. So that kind of we'll go over that here in just a minute. So Sheldon Myers, our guest <clears throat> again, a miner from uh, uh, up in the interior. And, uh, uh, you know, a guy who has taken a stand so many times, I don't even know where to go with it. We're going to continue uh, right here. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share, like and follow. Here we go. Okay, welcome back to the program, The Michael Duke Show. Continuing our discussion with Alaska small miner Sheldon Mayer, who has uh, uh, been, you know, he's he's been out there. He's been mining for, what is it, 30 years probably, Sheldon, uh, in various yeah. areas around the state. Uh, started out in the 40 mile, now is up on the Steese Highway, out past Fox, and has been working his mine there and has been facing some harassment from MSHA, which is the Mining Safe and Healthy Safety and Health Administration. Um, and we were just telling a story during the break here, uh, you know, that basically this all came to a head last summer when, as he was leaving his property, uh, somebody in a government pickup truck blocked his driveway as he tried to leave and said, I'm here from MSHA. I'm, I'm, I'm working on an anonymous complaint for unsafe work conditions and you said wait i'm the only one here it's i'm up on the plane it's all private property uh, i mean uh who complained i didn't complain on myself uh so you're starting to feel like this might be a little bit of a witch hunt especially after you were talking about all your miners in your area saying that m shaw's put the word out that they're gonna you know put a hit on you not a real hit but you know yeah. they're they're working against you so what? Uh, so so this was just another example of they're looking for something to uh, to to get you on. Well, Aaron, this is where it even gets more bizarre. About two weeks later, um, because he stood and told me at the gate that day that he couldn't come through it because it's blocked and says no trespassing. So, uh, two weeks later, I show up at the mine site. I'd had to run to town in the morning. And of course, because I'm the only one that works there most of the time, I, I show up about 1030 and there's a helicopter sitting on my, right next to one of my tailing piles. These guys are walking around with their hard hats and clipboards looking at my stuff. So I was a little, I was slightly irritated to say that. Right, right. So, um, when I asked them, the, the one inspector walks up to me before I even asked a question, you know, or asked them to identify themselves, which I already knew who they were, but he walks up smart ass laughing, saying, look at how much we care about you and your safety. We flew in here. Right. At $30,000 for the flight or whatever it is to fly that helicopter. So you per take hour. two inspectors plus a helicopter. I'm 50 feet off the Steez Highway and you land a helicopter and basically 
what else does that tell? I mean, in my mind, it was just sheerly to intimidate me. Right. Intimidation tactics, right? If they wanted to have a discussion with me, they could have walked through or they could have done an illegal inspection by just walking through the gate and done it that way. But they chose not to. So I also have texted, I have a texted email threat from a, from a MSHA instructor who teaches MSHA classes, who was giving an MSHA class one day. And when the, one of the inspectors showed up at his office and told him that you, uh, that they were going to come after me and make me pay thousands for wanton disregard of the rules because I'm mining without a number and I'm, I'm in, you know, I'm kind of emboldening other miners to do the same thing I'm doing. So, you know, this is about making me comply because I've said no to him. But, and <clears throat> it's just, uh, you know, like I said, there's, there's all kinds of wrong that this is just, um, and, and the sad part is most of the other miners, and there's a couple other miners in, in the neighborhood that they get visited the same day, they use the same story. We have an, uh, we have an anonymous complaint that you've been working unsafely or, you know, whatever other reason, but there is no rent. You, I asked for even just to see what the complaint was and they refused. Right. So, and so I've had friends that have had phoned in complaints and they've filed FIOA and they were told AMSHA is the only government entity that does not have to honor the FIOA. So they just, ignore you. Well, that's, they won't that's, <clears throat> that's not correct. I mean, there is a government transparency. I mean, the act for government transparency says all government agencies have to release FOIA requests. Even the CIA has to, I mean, they may redact all of it, but they'll, they'll send you what you're looking for. So they fly into your property, they fly into your claim and they walk around, they write you up for anything or were you all safe or what, no. what, what do they do from no. there? I, I ran, I told them to leave. I absolutely, ref I was furious. And then they're telling me that they needed to inspect and what, hey, get this, see, and this is what I've been telling miners ever since the incident in the 2014 chicken. Record everything. When a government inspector shows up, especially AMSHA, record them. I pulled my phone out. These guys freaked out. And uh, so the one inspector that didn't identify himself, he got angry. He started yelling at me, threatening me. You know, I'm going to throw the book at you and you can't record me. That's illegal. And I was like, look, pal, you obviously did not do your homework before you came here. You don't know that Alaska is a non-consent state and any one party can record another without consent of anybody. Are you, You're out of your mind, especially if you're performing a public duty. Yeah. So I said, well, you know, so I said to him, I was like, if you're just here to do your job, what you say is your job. Why are you worried about me recording you? Uh, and so they just turned their back and he asked me for verbal confirmation that I am refusing to cooperate. And I said, yes. And I told you no before. And I don't know which part of the N or the O you don't get, but that's leave. So and then right away I went and the only I got response out of Senator Sullivan's office right away. Um, I got a response back from Dunleavy's office right away, because I think that not only does do our federal lawmakers need to take this on and need to just, and this should be a no brainer. We have rights, right? We're supposed to have constitutional rights. 
which we all know that are pretty right. much null and void <clears throat> now. But, well, you what, know, like I still believe in them. So I'm standing up and saying, no, I'm not going to cooperate with you. And there's no way in our system that we should be allowing a government agency to act like this because they other miners in the neighborhood. I got a couple of them to come out and talk with the uh, Jim Matherly at Dun Dunleavy's office with me. And these guys are scared because they've already been in the AMSHA system and they've already faced, you know, fifty, sixty thousand dollars in fines. Um, and again, guys work by themselves. These guys are, you know, and AMSHA tells them now that they're, they're making the new rule is you can't work alone. So they're going to get away from the whole that you if you don't have employees they're telling you that it's unsafe for you to work alone so you have to hire somebody and then you have an employee <laughs> and now they so. have justification for what they're doing on top of it because now there's more than one person you have exactly. refused to you have refused to get into the mshaw system and so legally you are actually standing on your your own two feet because they don't have jurisdiction if it's just under your thing here's what I, here's what kills me the guy admits that he can't come onto your property when he parked in front of your driveway he can't come onto your property without your permission because you've got the signs of no trespassing but somehow flying a helicopter over the driveway and then landing into the property is in their mind not trespassing i mean they're still trespassing yeah. <laughs> right yeah pretty much so so it, yeah it's that's the whole it's mind-boggling really you know so and and I even had a talk with the, the helicopter guy that flew him in because I called him because, you know, and then he wanted to know how I got his information. I was like, well, you have a number inside of your helicopter. <laughs> so, I mean, it's not hard to find, but he was laughing at me. And he says that it's when he flies government people around, he's exempt because they're exempt. And I said, no, you're not. You're, you're not exempt trespass from trespassing. Trespass. Yeah, trespass is trespass. There is no qualified immunity for you uh, because you're flying that in. If they're issuing you a, an illegal order, they may be qualified for, they may be, have qualified immunity uh, in the execution of their duty, but you have the right to say, no, I'm not taking that job. That's, I mean, because you're not, you don't, you don't, you're not underqualified. That probably made that the pucker factor was probably pretty high for him by the end of that conversation. Well, yeah, because he, he started laughing at me. And then I, I said, look, uh, you know, I, I, I've already talked to the FAA. I'd already talked to the FAA, too. And I could. I, I told them I'm not going to come after. Well, what I told them is, please, as a decent human being, the next time they ask you to fly into my site, I would decline. Because if you bring them in again against my permission, I will go after you for trespass and he just laughed at me so i hung up on him um because he's this he let's face it the guy makes most of his money from government contracts that's right. how he operate right you right know, that's your deal but you know um it's you know one of the things that I find baffling about this michael is that we have fellow americans that 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 are neighbors and that are we live in communities with that have this mindset that they think it's okay to treat other humans, other people, your neighbors like this. It's like, um, you know, and, and the threats and, and, you know, when it comes down to it, I, well, it's funny. They, they tell me through Sullivan's office, cause see, I'm doing the same thing. Uh, ultimately I did with the interior department. I just ignored them. I just completely quit corresponding with them. I quit having any interaction with them. And so 
I won't directly converse with MSHA. I only have correspondence with them through Sullivan's office. So, um, and basically they are just thumbing their nose at us and saying, well, they already gave me a mine number and they're going, I, they gave me a contact liaison in Anchorage through their office that'll no problem bring me into compliance, bring me right up. But I have 17 egregious safety violations waiting for me. Online. Right. Because the second the second you call them, that that's when you admit it's basically culpability. They know they don't have a leg to stand on. They're waiting for you to crack. So that once you do accept the uh, the MSHA number, then you're under their jurisdiction. But until then, by ignoring them, you're saying I'm exercising my rights. Uh, you don't have the authority to do that. And that's the only thing they can do at this point. Right. Or is this going to escalate in your mind this coming summer? Well, I'm sure unless, you know, what what we've been trying to do and what I did even through the 40 mile years ago is trying to get a small minor exemption. And everything's in there. The memorandum of understanding, Congress has already spoke on it. You know, they've already had, well, MSHA's got one court case out of the fourth district circuit back east that they hang their hat on that gives them because they had a judge rule in their favor in the fact that they can claim jurisdiction over us. That's a different circuit though. That doesn't necessarily apply to here. So that's a, it's a whole different deal. So, but I mean, every way, any way you look at it, how is this organization when they, they bully people, they intimidate people, they have outrageous fines. um, And they've got the small mining community that, that are, under MSHA's thumb are worried sick about these guys that I got to come out and talk and come public and tell the story that their story to the governor's office. They're already, they've got a cease and desist, uh, an abandonment order. They've been shut down and they're tunneled, they're shaft officially locked up by the federal government. And they were told that the government now get this, they told me this too, they come and take them um, and pictures and take all your serial number identification off your equipment they and this is what they say we're doing this for collateral so when you don't pay your fines we're going to take your equipment and sell it for so they take it for collateral now so they're already telling you that when you don't pay your fines and they have a quota system and this is they no joke if an inspector shows up at your site and does an inspection, shows back up at the main office without writing a ticket, they're in trouble. They have to come back and cite you. Sheldon, and- Sheldon Myers, our guest. Uh, we're going to continue one one final segment with this. I want to go one more on this because this is just this is insanity. Uh, I mean, I was as outraged as I could be when Sheldon got had the armed raid at the forty mile at his position there when they showed up in a helicopter and SWAT gear and everything else. This is almost as ridiculous. We're going to continue this discussion in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show continues. You're home for Common Sense Radio. Running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show. 
So there's a lot of people in the chat room right now who are incensed about what's going on. Uh, but, I mean, they don't even know the full story because most of these people were not around when you and I talked last time. I mean, you literally had a helicopter-dropped, black, jackbooted thug kind of group of folks show up at your place and try and shut you down out on the 40-mile. Um, which, you, I mean, you eventually won that fight, right? I mean, you you, you came no, into well, Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Give actually, me. Michael, they didn't visit me. They visited – I was – well, I wasn't one that got visited because I was the president. I was elected to go be the mouthpiece for everybody. But they did. That was uh, the crazy thing. Even at the weird and about that, when I did went to D.C. and testified, and everybody was incensed and outraged this could happen. Nothing happened to nobody on the government side of things was even reprimanded. So basically, nothing happened. And six, some of the miners out there got fined. Forget this. And this is what that when they they didn't show up at a lot of the mine sites in the helicopter, but they because there was too many of them. There was six or seven of them at a time, and they would like the one one of the mine sites on Canyon Creek. They they rode in on four wheelers, and as soon as they crossed the creek, the last two guys over the creek crossing jumped off their four wheelers and took water samples and Imhoff cones, and then in the end, they're charging the miners for water pollution even after they just drove across the stream so they're picking it up downstream from where they just crossed on four wheelers and then they're taking the sample yep and what i tried to convince the people in the 40 mile after that was guys the best thing that i can see that we can do to combat this is as a group is peaceful non-compliant just don't comply with it ignore them and then, you know, try to get, we need to get some language changed in our policies because these, you know, I, I don't know, I, I'm, I, I'm kind of running out of ideas, you know, because when, you know, we all know when we try to go work with our politicians that, that right. we try to make, you know, we try to make it work. But, Sullivan's office um, has been pretty responsive to you, obviously helping you out. Has Murkowski's office or Peltola or anybody else, have you talked well, to anybody else? Yeah, well, you know, Sullivan's office was uh, super responsive and they've been on it the whole time. I've been directly through them. Murkowski just, you know, I had a really good working relationship with her through the whole 40 mile stuff until I, I just, you know, kind of dropped off the space and I, I went into, I went quiet for quite some time. So, um, but her office just blew me off. They basically said, here's, you can contact the uh, AI, uh, OIG office of internal you know, office of the inspector the general, right? Yeah. Yeah. For, for the department of labor. So she just bait their office, just shunted me to file a complaint with the IG's office, which, so I try to file a complaint through the attorney general or the inspector general's office. And what it does is it just in on the MSHA side, it just kicks me in a loop to where I can go in and file a complaint as an employee against my employer. So <laughs> <laughs> I can't file a complaint unless I'm an employee and want to file against my employer. Right. So then I got a hold of an external IG's office and they're working on it, but they're getting stonewalled from the Department of Labor. Their internal IG's office just sent me a response that said, this is an MSHA issue. Just go directly to MSHA and deal with it there because it's an MSHA issue. And I'm like, you obviously didn't read the complaint. <laughs> I'm right. I'm not going to get if you get roped up in the MSHA system, they they will. I mean, they even have a 
they have a secret little private part they belong they have a in collection agency that's directly connected with the irs so it's a scary deal right and it and so you know and you know so you've got an organization with huge teeth that has people scared and intimidated and so everybody's a lot of people's answer is to hide or to just do something over here where they may not notice me and i'm like but i'm not doing anything wrong and i'm not right. polluting anything and i'm not ruining anything and i'm over behind a locked gate which a lot of us are by ourselves and you know because there's no reason except the fact that msha just refuses to comply but we need to have a small miners exemption just like osha has a small business exemption and but I think when you come right down to it, how can it be deemed constitutional in our system that one age, one industry in the whole country has a separate safety organization that also claims that they can regulate you through the Commerce? Right. And exactly. If you know anything about the Commerce Act, right, it doesn't necessarily apply to Alaska because we're not connected to the rest of the United States. Right. So. No, it's some, it's some crazy stuff. All right. So here's what we're going to do. We're about to come back. We're about 30 seconds out. Uh, we're going to talk about what you see coming this next year and then what what people can do, what the listeners can do to help, because we've got a lot of listeners here asking, how can we help? How can we make this, uh, you know, how can we make a difference on this? Uh, and this is infuriating. This is bureaucracy run amok. This is bureaucracy acting as, somebody says, the Stasi, right? The jackbooted thugs. Yeah. This is bureaucracy completely acting as if they are the law. Let's get back into it. Here we go, The Michael Duke Show. All right, one final segment with Sheldon Meyer here, Alaska Small Miner. Uh, we're talking about his trials and tribulations, this time with MSHAW, the Mining Safety and Health Administration, who, based on the descriptions that Sheldon has given, seem to be a bureaucracy run completely amok and, uh, and basically justifying what they're doing and acting as if they are the law and above the law and can do whatever they want to do. So, Sheldon, I guess the final question here as we run out the final eight, nine minutes of the show today is, uh, so what do you expect to happen in this coming season? Obviously, you're not mining now. You've got the seasons about to start. What do you expect to see? What are your actions going to be? And then finally, what can we as listeners, as Alaskans, what can we do to help? So let's start off with, let's start off with the first. What, 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 are, what do you see coming this, this new season here coming up? Well, I, I don't see them um, at this point. What the information I have at my disposal says they're not going to leave me alone. They're going to continue to harass me. Um, and I've, I'm going to push through and keep going when uh, I've, I've trying to push for a small minor exemption. And, and the real no brainer is when you have no employees, I'm acting on my own behalf. So I'm, I'm going to continue to mine. Um, I'm, I, I'm just going to record them. I'm going to put up, I'm, I'm working on putting up a better video system on the claim where I can have them. So I don't necessarily have to 
to um, have my phone in my hand to be able to record them, you know, so um, I want to be able to have good video coverage. And so when they do show up, I'll have more evidence to show, look, they're just, this is just pure harassment. Right. You know? It's persecution. Um, it's persecution, government persecution from overzealous bureaucrats. And so uh, that's my, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to stop. And, and, I, but I, you know, I'm also, you know, I, yeah, I'm probably a little crazy. I mean, look what I do for a living. I mean, no, right, and, you right, know, we all know right. those of us that live where we live, we're, right. we're our little. You're the stereotypical right. crazy old gold miner. That's what you're doing, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, but, I, you know, I, I kind of, it's been, I think the best thing that fellow Alaskans can do, I mean, and I know whether you're a Republican, a Democrat, independent, whatever, these are basically not about politics. This is about our basic rights. And if I guess for starters to try to help out, call our call your call our lawmakers and say, look, this needs to be addressed. We need to change this language. And, you know, one thing, be careful. Don't propose to pass any new legislation, please. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't want to attack any of our politicians and, and start getting, you know, try to make people angry with me. But, you know, if if you call your lawmakers, uh, I, I mean, I have a list of numbers we can read out for local offices, you know, and and I got to say, uh, Peltola's office had been completely non-responsive up until last week. I got a call from her office and she they apologized about taking so long to get back to me but she he the the representative from peltola's office said she really wants to stand up for alaskans and this is exactly what she's wants to take on so and he the first thing out of his mouth after i gave him a lowdown he said sounds like we need to change some language in this we need to get rid of that right clarification right exactly so if we can call our three congressional representatives to Washington and say, change this, please. This needs to be done, you know, for starters. And we need a small minor exemption. And because, you know, the, 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 the reality of this is, is we're a dying breed. I mean, the, the placer miners are dying and the, there's no, um, I don't know what's going to save it. It's if there is any saving it in the end, I would like to think that, you know, People, if you really educate yourself on placer mining, it's not a, it, it's not, we're not destroying the environment. We're not killing the water. We're not killing the fish. We're not, I mean, most of us that do it, we love the land and, and we love doing what we do and being outside every day. And we're not about just destroying things, you know, and we're and like me, I live here. I spend all my money. I'm an Alaskan to the core. That is where, I mean. And, and we're a small businesses, let's face it, whether you're a miner or look what's going on with the fishermen in Southeast right now, you know, we're being, so the fishermen, the small hand trollers are being attacked too. Cause you know, we got to save the killer whales that are, the population's going down in Puget Sound, but they're, they're somehow connecting that it's those hand trollers, all the small guys in Southeast that are killing the fish in the Puget Sound. So. Right, right. <laughs> No, I mean, again, this is about government overreach. It's about bureaucratic overreach. And, uh, you know, and I think you've got the right way. I mean, quiet disobedience has been the American, you know, civil disobedience has been the American way for so many years. And I think you're on the right track. I think, uh, you know, putting cameras up 
in hidden places all around the mine site with microphones. It records everything that happens, whether you're there or not. Uh, you know, we'll show exactly that, that uh, what these guys are doing. And you're right. They don't like to be recorded because they know what they're doing is wrong. If they, if they were if they knew what they were doing was right and they had the law on their side, they would not be afraid to be videotaped and have that presented at evidence later on. So good for you. Uh, I mean, I, you know, having to having to drop some money into a into a security system is a is a pain. But at the same time, probably your best choice when it comes to uh, protecting yourself and being able to say, I was trying to do the right thing. These guys have obviously got uh, some kind of agenda and they've got it out for me at this point especially when they say they're going to throw the book at you and do all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's, you know, that's the kind of uh, behavior that uh, just shows somebody, a bureaucrat who's literally out of control or the power has gone to their head. Yeah, it is just, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm shocked. I mean, I was just, I was more just kind of flabbergasted at this. And when, you know, I, I, it's a no brainer. I mean, you, when you're out there working by yourself and I mean, I, I'm not, well, I, I was under the assumption and I've been there six summers that I hadn't been and everybody in the neighborhood loves I'm there. In fact, uh, you know, I got people come over and the neighbors wanted to get some dirt one day just to tease a little panning area in a, on his property. And he had some family coming up. And so I took a scoop of dirt and dumped it on his trailer for him. And, you know, he went and so he could have panning dirt. You know, I mean, it's right. like. Right. You no, know, I'm trying to be a good neighbor and all the neighbors we get along fine. And so the whole idea that somebody complained is anonymously. And, right. Yeah. And in our system of law, you can't even if the you know, a trooper pulls you over and they can't just pull you over because they had an anonymous complaint. I mean, if they had a or come to your house and come in and just say we're here to because somebody called and said you were being unsafe and we're going to come in and inspect your house. It's like, wait a minute. You're not. <laughs> well, the whole idea of not being able to, I mean, and this is what government bureaucracies are doing now in a lot of ways, whether it's code enforcement or a lot of these other things, they're now starting to depend on this anonymous uh, reporting system. You should have the ability to face your accuser in anything that's going on. And this is just another way that bureaucracies are able to, again, justify themselves because, you know, anybody could call in with an anonymous complaint, whether it's the a bureaucrat's spouse or somebody they know, or they themselves call it in later on. It's a, it's a whole thing. Um, so yeah, it's uh it's very, very frustrating um, for, especially for people like you. And again, having my family's got a history of mining and I've seen, I've seen how it's slowly dwindled away over the years to where there's very few small miners left because you just, you don't have to, you know, you don't have the wherewithal necessarily to, go big or go home because it takes a lot of capital. And at the same time, sometimes you don't want to, and the government shouldn't yeah. be all up in your business over stuff like that. Yeah, it's, it's, we shouldn't have to face this kind of, you know, I mean, I get it, you know, it's like Fort Knox, Pogo, these big mines, you need to have really stringent safety regulations when you have great big iron and you have a big equipment and you have all these people working together. But when you have, you know, I question too, where is the, where is the big death rate or safety issue in placer mining? I right. Mean, well, the only person um, you're putting at risk is yourself. And if people, exactly. people do that all the time, whether they're in business or not, people put themselves at risk all the time. We don't need a government agency coming in and babysitting us to do that kind of stuff. Um, 
Sheldon, we're down to the last uh, less than two minutes here. So I'll give you final thoughts on this and uh, how people can get a hold of you if they want to kind of kibitz with you to figure out who they need to call or what they need to say. Your final thoughts here. Okay. Yeah, I'm uh, well, uh, I'm more than welcome to, you know, um, my num- my contact is 907-322-6603. Um, and I've been working through Sullivan's office uh, at Lisa Harbo and Greg um, Bringhurst and, and Chad Paget, who used to be uh, um, Don Young's chief head guy, chief of staff here in Alaska. And I've done a lot of work with Chad over the years, too. And, um, you know, getting involved with these guys or at least contacting Peltola's office and Murkowski's office and, 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 and you know, tell them we need to change this this has to and and uh, hopefully we can uh, you know save what's left of our miners our small miners because we are a very integral part of the economy right. here and we're, I mean, well and you're an integral part of alaska history this is it right here and you guys should be able to do what you need if you're just you and you're just doing it on your own as long as you're not hurting anybody else or making a mess it should be fine and they should leave you alone uh, Sheldon Mayer, uh, thank you so much, my friend. I put your phone number up in the chat if folks want to get it, 907-322-6603. Text him, talk to him, get the details. Sheldon, thanks for coming on board. Hey, thank you, Michael. You're having a wonderful day, and say hi to your wonderful family, man. I will. I appreciate Cheers. it. Folks, we're out of time. Tomorrow is Firearms Friday. Sheldon, hold the line. We'll be right back. All right, Sheldon. Um I mean, I'll give you the final bite at this apple, my friend. I mean, I applaud you. I know that you've been, you know, you put yourself in a precarious position over the years because you you have been the one that basically has stood up and said, no, I will not comply uh, mm-hmm. with laws that are ridiculous or regulations that actually go against the law and things like that. And I, I mean, I admire you for that. You have, you have, you've taken a stand many, many times, and this is just yet one more time where you've taken that stand. Um, that again, civil disobedience is the most American of of choices and and of actions. That's what we do in this country: quiet civil disobedience. And you're doing that now. You're being a little louder about it because, again, if they're going to single you out, that is, I mean, that's crazy. And if they're going to again utilize government resource, flying a helicopter into your property fifty mi- fifty feet off the road, because. I guess they can. That's still trespassing, by the way. I'm still trying to figure out how they could justify. We could have walked around the gate and walked in, but no, we flew a helicopter in uh, just to show. It's again, it's an intimidation. It's government intimidation, and it needs to stop, quite honestly. Uh, So I want to give you the final the final word here. I'm going to give you the final bite. People, I think, are texting you already. So let's. Yeah, bro. My my phone's blown up. Yeah, your phone's blown up right now. So everybody, text your information to Sheldon, and he can call you back individually. But give me your final your final word on this, Sheldon, because I mean, I want to try and help you however I can. This is it just infuriates me. This kind of bureaucratic overreach. But your final thoughts. Well, I just said, thank you, Michael. And uh, yeah, I think that any of us, and as I've been telling the other miners too, is the peaceful non-compliance and, and just say no to it. And, you know, one of the things I'd like to propose to our lawmakers and stuff is, you know, somebody push this, the reset button on giving the bureaucracy to continue to, we don't need to write more bills and more regulations. What maybe we ought to do is put a stop on it and start reviewing and getting rid of nonsense that's written down 
And, but to, you know, we got it. I don't know. You know the, I don't know. The peaceful non-compliance is the best way to go at this point and just, and, you know, reach out and, and help each other. And, you know, cause we're all in this together. So, you know, right. um, and just, uh, gosh, I don't know. I I'm, I'm kind of at a loss too, Michael. Cause I'm just, uh, I mean, this is the direction Yen and I decided to go and sometimes it's kind of scary, but well, yeah, I imagine um, it is. Cause nothing is, I mean, I, somebody said something about the other day and they said something about tax season and they said, Oh, and I said, the only thing I'm scared of is the federal government in those regards, because you just don't know. You, I mean, you just, they could bring the full force and weight down on you and destroy your life. I mean, just basically, they've got deepest pockets ever. They could just tie you up in court for the rest of your natural life, and what would you do? Uh, so sometimes, uh, you know, uh, uh, civil disobedience is the only way to go. And especially as it seems like at this point, they know that they don't have the authority unless you give it to them. And you have refused to give it to them by adhering, to, by, you know, acceding to them and getting a number and doing all that. They know that to me shows that they know that they don't have the authority to do what they're trying to do unless you give it to them. These other miners have given it to them. You have yeah. said no. So... And uh, I'm so with most you. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, man. most of them. What? Oh, I said most of the poor guys, they're, they're intimidated. The ones that are signed up now, they're in the system and they get fined and they're threatened. If they, if they cooperate with me and talk to me or anything, then the, the MSHA will just come down on them harder. So, and it, but then the sad part is, is there is nobody that keeps them in check. So, yeah. Um, but I'm sorry, but I'm not willing. I'm not sorry. I'm not willing to comply and I'm not going to be, I will not willingly be part of the scheme. So, right. And I'll do everything I can to keep throwing monkey wrenches in it because um, if the other miners would, you know, uh, there's a few that are stepping up now and then I'm really proud of them. And I, I'm hoping we can make a difference because uh, we need to, otherwise we're, if, if I'm given, with everything that's happened to this point, if I'm forced unwillingly even to take their mind number and become and become a player in the game with them, they will. It would be my financial death certificate. Yeah, they would ruin me financially. Yeah. they would run me into the ground. Because now it's a vendetta. That's what it is. Yeah. You dared. You dared to resist them. You dared to stand up to them. And what needs to happen is you need to get a whole group of miners that stand up and say, "We're not taking any more of this shit." That's what they need to say. I mean, just, there's no more. So, um, all right. Well, Sheldon, um, again, if you want to help out Sheldon, you want to do what you can do. 907-322-6603. Send him a text message with your name and info. He'll get back to you. And, uh, maybe you can get a group of people together that can write letters, that can put emails out, that can start to file complaints with M. Shaw themselves. Uh, you imagine if the M. Shaw system got flooded with complaints about the actions and behaviors of their own employees. Uh, maybe we get a maybe we get a, a news reporter involved in this. I'll be, we'll see what we can do. But th it's got to stop, man. These are I mean, yeah. these are your fellow Alaskans persecuting you for exercising your own rights and trying to make a living, not hurting anybody else, not destroying the environment. Not that M. Shaw has anything to do with the environment. M. Shaw is about safety and health of the worker, which is Sheldon, yeah. which is like he's got it all covered. M. Shaw has there's it, it, the whole thing. I'm just I get so pissed about it. All right. Oh man. Well, all right, Michael. She Sheldon, thank right, you so much. I appreciate you coming on board and uh, keep me in the thank loop. You. Okay.
Oh, and, and one more thing, if you got time, is yeah. if anybody does have any way, I've been trying, what you just talked about is getting uh, some national coverage, you know, like through any Sean Hannity or Tucker Carlson, or I've even tried Joe Rogan, or, but I seem to get nowhere with any of them. So I, I don't know. So getting, and that's been suggested too, even when I was down at my mom's, is people saying, you got to get this word out nationally people need to hear about this because it is wrong in so many ways so um, well i'll uh, has a suggestion i will reach out to i have a friend at reason magazine uh who is uh all about occupational licensing and regulation maybe i'll call him and see if we can get him uh on board yeah maybe i'll call matt kibbe too uh from free the people uh, we'll see if we can get some. Uh, we'll see if we can get some coverage on this because uh, I, I agree. And again, a dying breed. Small placer miners across the country, but especially here in Alaska, where it's our heritage, is uh, a dying breed. So, well, Sheldon, thank you so much for coming on board, being strong enough to want to come on and talk about this. I hope that we have raised awareness a bit, and I hope we are able to continue that. Uh, thanks for coming on. Thank you, Michael. All Take right. care, everybody. You bet. We'll talk to you. Uh, we'll, we'll talk to you again soon. All right, folks. That means we are out of time for today. We'll be back again uh, tomorrow for Firearms Friday. Thank you for being part of it today. Oof, man, I get so agitated by this. We will be back tomorrow the michael duke show common sense liberty-based free thinking radio be kind love one another live well
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show.